welcome to the Farm Beats podcast. Farm Beats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beats podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Bits followers and first-time listeners. Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. I'm Taylor Cross. And I'm Joseph Cesario, and we are excited to have you join us for this episode as we continue in our spring 2022 series covering autonomy and robotics in crop and livestock production. We welcome Dr. Michael Sama, Associate Professor at University of Kentucky, to this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. Dr. Sama has had experience in row crop precision ag for over 10 years and recently expanded into animal systems. With limited resources and research present in remote sensing and UAV applications in animal production, Dr. Sama and his team have taken some early steps into developing some new research and testing potential solutions. With that background, let's jump into our interview with Dr. Sama. Yeah, sure. So um, originally from upstate New York, I'm kind of a transplant to Kentucky, uh, came here via grad school. So when I was an undergraduate, I was in a computer systems engineering program and looking for something different to do. Um, and I saw there was an opportunity to work with autonomous tractors and drones and that kind of stuff. And that really piqued my interest. So thought I'd try it out and um, quickly realized this is what I wanted to do. So I stayed at UK and got my PhD as well. And then was fortunate enough to be hired on as faculty. Uh, I've been in this position for about nine or 10 years now. That's great. And could you share maybe a little bit about your favorite project in the past that you have done? Uh, well, I've got a bunch of favorite ones, but I think one of the early ones on that led me to, to think that I wanted to stay in academia. So when I was a master's student, I got involved in this uh, NASA project where we were trying to build these inflatable wings that we would deploy like on a spacecraft, for instance. And uh, I was uh, doing a bunch of camera-based remote sensing and they needed someone that could program a camera to take pictures. And back then you couldn't just like buy a GoPro and strap it on. You had to like actually pack apart a camera to do it. And But it was my first opportunity to work like on a team science type project. So there was probably 20 or 30 students that were all doing separate things and they all had to work together in one big system. And, we got to go out to Colorado and launch our payload on a on a um, helium balloon up to like 100,000 feet and then snap a bunch of photos as the wings deployed. And just seeing something that like was so complicated work and uh, it, you know, it was really exciting to, to be able to do that. I think that's what kind of uh, made me excited about academia and working with others in similar areas. Yeah, that is super cool. It's really rewarding. I know, especially like in my research, it's still a very early stage, but it's rewarding to do your research and projects kind of um, solidify and come to the surface there. So do you have a specific um, moment that kind of sparked your interest? You mentioned that you kind of had this, you know, realization that you wanted to be in autonomy and, you know, UAV using remote sensing and such. Is there a specific project that you might have worked on that sparked your interest in UAV research and kind of how you ended up staying and doing your PhD? Um, yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I think even prior to that, though, um, I guess I always had interest in unmanned aircraft vehicles or air vehicles. I, uh, I grew up making model airplanes and uh, never really flew them very much because if you spend all that time building one and then you wreck it, you know, it's 
it's almost not worth it. So, um, you know, that, that interest in aviation was always there. And then I kind of think as I got older, I started to gain more and more interest in, in agriculture and food production. And, you know, the, the UAVs and ag is really a good way to tie that together. Um, so I, I would say, you know, towards the end of undergrad and beginning of grad school is where that really started to ferment. And then, um, you know, I've been working in that area ever since. So it's been about 18, 19 years. Yeah, I think that you got some experience with UAV there, right? So, and, and what do you think that are some defining problems with the UAV that can solve today's animal or even egg production? Yeah, I mean, I think so, like in the animal area, um, it's simple stuff. Uh, producers spend a lot of time just walking fields and counting, you know, heads and keeping track of animals. And I think that's something that could be automated using unmanned aircraft systems. And, uh, you know, in comparison to like confined livestock systems where your animals are going to be moving through a known area a couple of times a day and, and unconfined, you have to deal with finding them. And that's an area where UAVs would excel at because you can get up high and see the entire field. And depending on the level of autonomy, you might be able to navigate the drone based on the locations of the, the cattle and make some decisions on that. So, you know, I think hopefully it's going to start replacing some of the more tedious aspects of, of animal production, especially unconfined production where you have to spend time looking for, for cattle in the field. Um, and then on the crop side, you know, we've already seen a lot of advances in that area. That seems to get more focus. Um, it's fairly straightforward process. You program a drone to fly over a field, take some pictures or, whatever it may be, and then uh, use that information to generate prescription maps or estimate yield or whatever it is. So there's lots of applications in, in, in crops uh, using UAVs as well. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it really briefly there, but um, are there any other kind of advantages or benefits to using these autonomous you know, UAVs or um, systems in production agriculture? Well, it scales really well. So you have an initial investment of the system and whatever sensor you're working with, but it's very easy to move it over a large area. Um, you know, if you're a crop consultant that's going to go out in the field, there's a limited amount of acreage that you can cover on the ground, but you know, you can easily cover an order of magnitude more uh, by flying over it. And so I think the scalability is really what provides the major advantage of using UAVs. And it kind of hits this sweet spot too, because you can Get the same information or similar information from manned aircraft or satellites but uavs fly are close to the ground they, they can generally uh, produce higher resolution imagery to the point where now you can see individual plants and so if you're able to do things at a much preciser level than you'd be able to do otherwise yeah that is very true so i've seen a little bit of uh, your past research most recent research um, regarding animal systems and remote sensing using those uavs um, so before we dive into kind of that project and talking a little bit more about that, uh, to what extent are, do you see the UAVs um, being implemented in commercial animal systems? So it, it's a very limited extent at this point. Um, there's just not a lot of information out there in terms of how to do it. I think you, you'll see some really savvy producers that um, will go out and buy a drone and they'll use it to do head counts and things like that. Um, but yeah, beyond that, there's not a lot of turnkey systems that are designed for animal systems. Um, in contrast to crops, you could probably find software that'll process your imagery and generate a prescription map. There's just nothing like that in the animal area. So we're really only seeing, you know, a handful of producers that have gone out and bought their own systems. And there's not a lot of consultants either at this point that are doing it um, as well, too. So yeah, it's, it's very limited at this point in time. 
Yeah, and then what is the focus? Now let's start to dive a little bit more on the research that you have done in the past years. So what is the focus of your research program and what current programs uh, projects are you working on? Yeah. So I work primarily in precision agriculture and it's kind of a blend between um, variable rate technology. So I look at like implements that will apply material in the field and then uh, remote sensing. So uh, on the remote sensing side, it's split right now between crop and animals. Um, I have several long-term projects where we're basically trying to figure out how to generate prescription models for whether it's uh, nitrogen or irrigation and also estimating yield based on imagery and then trying to figure out how to do that on a broad scale because you can build a model really easily from like an individual field but it might not really work very well for your neighbor's farm or a farm across the country so we're trying to figure out how to make things more generalized so that whatever we develop uh, here in Kentucky can be used in Nebraska or somewhere else um, on the animal side, uh, I'm primarily focused on like biometric measurements. So I'm, I'm really want to be able to use the drone to, to collect some information that you might not be able to get otherwise. So like, uh, let's say for instance, a, a cow calf operation, um, you're not going to run your cattle through a chute every day and, and weigh them. Um, it's usually pretty hands off. And so if we could fly a drone over the, the field and take some pictures and then use that to estimate their size and then estimate their weight, that would be really advantageous to track their growth over time. And so we've been looking at, you know, how many pictures do you need in order to generate a 3D model of a cow? And then um, is that 3D model accurate in terms of its weight, things like that. Yeah, that is super interesting and kind of an area that hasn't been, like you said earlier, really explored, especially in research. Um, do you, can you provide a, a kind of an overview of your, one of your most recent projects where you were monitoring the animal's behavior uh, in response to those UAVs? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, there's no information out there in terms of uh, beef cattle and uh, how they're going to respond to the presence of drones. People have done this in the past, like with wildlife, um, but with domesticated animals, there's not a lot of information out there. And so we were curious, you know, if we fly a drone near a cow, is it going to stress it out? Um, and then what's that threshold? So we, we first thing we did was write a protocol for how we want to do an experiment. And then it has to get approved, obviously, since we're working with animals, but um, we're basically trying to figure out how close can we fly so that we can get the best possible data without making them upset. And we look at things like their heart rate, um, uh, movement and stuff like that as well, too, just to get an idea if they're responding at all. Uh, on the flip side, there's also, sometimes you want to use a drone to potentially move an animal. And so say you want to use a couple of drones to hurt them, you might be able to, fly those drones in a specific configuration that makes them move in a particular direction. And so we're trying to figure out that's, that's feasible. Um, and if so, do they get acclimated over time and will they eventually just ignore them? Are you all using any specific drones or UAVs? Have you tested multiple different kinds? I imagine so. Um, what, kind of, what kind of process do you go through to determine which UAVs you'll implement in these research projects? Yeah, we use all sorts of UAVs across the board. Um, I would say like in precision ag, we're mostly using multi-rotor systems. So things like quadcopters or hexacopters or octocopters. Um, they're fairly simple. The only moving parts on them are the propellers themselves. And so um, they're a lot easier to deploy and recover compared to like a fixed wing system. Um, the downside is they don't have the same endurance. So we usually can only fly for, you know, 30 to 40 minutes at a time. But for most applications, especially on the research side, that's that's plenty of time, and we can always land and swap the batteries out and go back up again. 
Um, for, for the cattle research, we're using things that are really small on the order of a couple of pounds all the way up to, you know, 30 or 40 pounds, depending on the, the type of payload that we put on there. Um, and that certainly has an effect on the cattle response too, because they seem to notice the larger ones that are louder a lot more readily than they would something that's relatively small. Yeah, and since you guys were working with evaluating this behavior of the animals, uh, is there any uh, way that you guys had to pick the different breedings of the cattle, for example, because that probably would affect the well-being of the animal? Yeah, we didn't have a lot of choice in that. So we worked with the, the animals that were at our research farm. Um, I forget what the breed was, but it's pretty representative of what we would see here in Kentucky. But that is a concern because certainly you've got some that are, uh, you know, just more easily agitated than others. Um, the one thing that we did control is that they had never been exposed to a drone before. So they had no idea what it was. And um, I think just about any animal is going to be a little bit surprised the first time they see it, especially if you fly relatively close to it. Um, but, you know, like other applications, the cattle will acclimate. And so they end up getting fairly comfortable with it to the point where we can get the information that we need to. Can you speak to the value that this um, previous data that you've collected in your research, uh, can you speak to the value that that has um, to industry and extension or even academia? Just showing that we can fly drones near cows safely is a big step. Um, there hasn't been a lot of work in that area. So that, that helps with um, you know, the, giving the funding agencies some level of comfort that the kind of work we're doing is safe and is going to generate useful information. On the extension side, that's where we get the most requests. So more so than even um, on crops, we, we get a lot of calls from producers that are saying, hey, I want to buy a drone for my cow-calf operation. You know, what's, what should I get or how could I use it to do this and this? And so, you know, showing some examples of the things that we can do are, are, are helpful, at least in terms of broaching that, that subject. Um, on the industry side, I think hopefully just generating some excitement about it. I think the fact that we're doing it, hopefully someone in industry picks up on it and says, hey, you know, this can be done, let's develop a product. Because we're not really on the product development side. Our goal isn't to figure out a way to make money doing this, it's to show that it's technically feasible. And so, you know, on that end, we just hope that it inspires someone that, to pick this up and provide a service. And how easy is, is it to scale your research on projects to commercial and industry practice? Well, I, I think it depends on the application, but um, so it, it can be challenging. I think we don't deal with the same constraints that a production environment would deal with. And so, you know, in, in small operations, they don't have the capital to invest in expensive systems. And we might be using a drone that costs, you know, five or $10,000 that's going to be out of sight in terms of cost for a lot of beef producers in Kentucky because they might only have 20 to 50 head of cattle. They're not going to spend that much money. And there's a lot of risk associated with it as well, too. So I think it's just a little bit of a challenge in the technology transfer just because the costs are still relatively high. But it depends on what you're trying to do. If, if all you want to do is take some pictures of your animals, then you can buy a fairly reliable system that can be automated for you know, less than $1,000. In that case, it is very scalable. But you know, when you start moving into like the automated or autonomous type systems, um, you know, right now it doesn't scale very well because they're pretty complicated and there's a lot of red tape you have to kind of jump through in order to be able to operate them that way as well. That's a really good point there. Do you, from your perspective, what are the biggest challenges um, 
that are presented for UAB systems in agriculture production, row crop, or animal production? Yeah, I think there's two answers to that, um, or at least two fronts. There's regulatory challenges, and then there's technology challenges. So I'll start with the regulatory. Um, there's still limited use of UAVs in the national airspace right now. It's developed a lot over time, but somewhere around like 2016, that's when the FAA started to put out guidance on what you can and can't do. And prior to that, it was kind of the, the Wild West, although I would say that most things that were being done were probably um, illegal, but they weren't being enforced. And so once we knew what the rules were, um, you know, it kind of became constraining at the beginning. And they've, they've opened it up to the point where we can do most things that we need to do on the research front. But I mentioned autonomous before, that's something that's not really feasible right now in, in UAVs. You can't program a drone to go do a mission and then walk away from it and not observe it. There needs to be someone there that's the pilot in command that's responsible for it. So in order for UAVs to be practical, like in animal production, it really needs to be able to run on its own. It'd be nice if the drone could take off and fly out to the field, take its images, come back, do some processing on those images, and then generate a report for a producer. That's not happening right now. And right now, if someone has to actually fly it and do all the you know, components, maybe they can automate it a little bit. They can program a flight route, but it's still occupying their time. So, you know, until the regulatory um, framework catches up with what we want to do, there's still going to be some constraints on that end. And then on the technology side, not everything is turnkey at this point. There are some kind of suites of systems where you can buy a drone and then you can couple it with some image processing or you can get an output directly from the system. So you get a map of your field, for instance. But even then, a lot of times it takes like a crop consultant or someone else to interpret that data in order to make an actionable decision. And so we need better models that can translate the data that we collect with UAVs in order to tell producers, this is what you should do based on your current system. And so until that's done, you know, you're still only seeing the most savvy producers that are able to use these systems on their own. Yeah, I see a lot of potential in this area moving forward in research and industry, for sure. You mentioned on how these UAVs can be practical using it. Uh, but do you see any improvements that are necessary, like increasing the speed of UAV or even remote sensing technology that can be used as a viable commercially? Yeah, I, I think flight endurance is probably the biggest limitation for like really big um, production ag. So using multi-rotor systems to cover, you know, 1,000 or 10,000 acre farms is not really feasible at this point. Um, you know, we, we need more endurance to do that. And of course you could switch to fixed wing systems, but then you have to have uh, a different way to launch and recover the platform. Um, it, it, the one thing that I would love to have is to be able to fly a little bit longer, but that's gonna come at, right now at the sacrifice of payload capacity. We still need better sensors. There's not a lot of manufacturers that build consumer grade cameras that are ready to be used in precision ag. You can find like specialized ones on the research front, but they're very expensive. So there needs to be more um, you know, sensor suites that we can use to collect the kind of information that we need. Um, and then the platforms themselves too, there's not that many commercial drone manufacturers that build a lot of drones at scale. And so there's really not very many domestic ones in the US for that matter. And so until we see more platforms and higher endurance, we're not gonna see them being used as often as they possibly could be. Do you see any potential in using UAVs and remote sensing and um, other technologies in animal production besides just beef cattle, um, for instance, like 
dairy cattle or you know other livestock production systems? Yeah, potentially. I think it, it's really well suited to unconfined systems. So dairy is a little bit of a challenge, but if you have a dairy system where the animals are, have time on pasture, then I could see that you know, modern dairies are getting very, very advanced and there's a ton of technology inside the barn. So I think that would, that would be a, a great application for systems where they do roam outside of the facility. Um, I, I think it translates well to other livestock, but maybe the margins might not be as high. So it could be a little bit more difficult to justify. Like if you're, you know, if you're raising sheep or goats and stuff like that, you're probably not going to have as much uh, capital per animal in order to invest. And so you know, that's probably where beef is like the easiest place to start because I think you know, the, the margin might be a little bit higher than other animals. Um, what's your vision for the future of the UAV in agriculture, as well as remote sensing? Because we see that, like you mentioned before, some of the limitations of these drones are the battery that cannot be on for too much time, for example. Uh, are there like people developing some gas UAVs, for example? There are, but I would say that the, the vast majority are, are electric nowadays, that it really simplifies the platform and it's a lot more reliable. Um, you know, 20 years ago, we used to use gas engines for almost all of our UAVs if they were going to fly for, you know, for more than a, a few minutes, but because you can get a reasonable endurance out of a battery system, you know, almost all of them, especially multi-rotor systems will use uh, a battery powered propulsion. But I think as far as vision goes, I, I would say that what I would love to see is fully autonomous UAVs that go out every day and do persistent monitoring. It's something that we don't do right now. And so having a system that can go out and fly over your field and take pictures and generate maps. And if you can do it over time, then you can start tracking changes and look at things that change very gradually and maybe catch them before it's a problem. So if you're starting to see trends, you can make a mitigation and apply fertilizer or whatever it is before it becomes an economic issue. And you might even be able to apply it at a different level than you would if you're reacting after the fact. So, you know, I, I would love to see it where it's a very persistent system that every day a producer gets a, you know, a, a text message or an email that has an update on the status of their field and, you know, can help them make decisions on a daily basis. How do you, how would you foresee like machine learning playing a part uh, into the next steps of this vision for um, UAV systems and animal production? It's pretty critical. So, I mean, it's it's very difficult to build um, traditional models that will generate outputs based on the complex data that we deal with. And so machine learning is really good at sussing out details that are hard for a human to interpret themselves. Um, the key is to have really good data. And, and most of the time we're doing what's called supervised machine learning. So we're providing a set of inputs and outputs and then letting the computer figure out how to pair them together. Um, that can only get so far. At some point, we probably have to transition into unsupervised machine learning as well, too, where we can kind of do transfer learning or other types of applications and use our expertise to solve unknown problems where we don't have good data. On, on the cattle side, that's a huge problem. Like you can't just Google a set of uh, uh, pictures of cows like you can with other areas. So it's kind of funny, like in uh, computer science, like there's a like a running challenge who can do the best uh, you know, machine learning approach to identifying cats and images, but that doesn't exist with cows. So if you wanted to find a million pictures of cows in order to train a model, it doesn't exist. I can't just go out there and, and get that data. So you know, we have to collect the data that we need in order to be able to generate the, the models and then you know, develop all the, the training along with it. So there's a lot of work that has to happen in order to translate into animal livestock systems.
do you foresee yourself um, kind of continuing down this animal research path comparatively to your, you know, nitrogen or other applications in row crop systems? For sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefit to doing it. I think, you know, you think about the benefit for the row crop side is you can start to balance out production with environmental constraints. So, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of precision ag is to efficiently utilize. And it's the same thing with animals, but now you, you are incorporating a, you know, a welfare component as well too. So if we can, you know, save the life of a, of a calf that's, that would otherwise die due to disease or something else, you know, there's a lot of benefit there. And so I think I certainly want to keep working in that area because I see that there's opportunity to, to benefit the animals and the producers. If someone wanted to learn more about you or your research, um, where should they go to find more? Yeah, I think the best place to start, like for specific stuff related to what I do, is just to go to our website. Um, so uky.edu slash BAE. There's a lot of information on autonomous systems and drones and precision ag on our website as well. Um, and then in the broader community, there's uh, multi-state projects that deal with this kind of work. So you could look up the S1069 multi-state project on unmanned aircraft systems, and you'll find people that are using the same platforms to do a wide range of applications. So there's a lot more than you can do besides just taking pictures of cows and, and row crops as well. So that's a good place to find some information. That's awesome. Is there anything that we didn't touch on today or talk about that you want to educate our listeners about? Well, I would say anyone that's interested in getting involved in using drones or UAVs is just to take it slow. Um, you know, if you're a producer and you want to incorporate it into your practice, start with the smallest and ex most inexpensive system that you can so that you don't overinvest in something that you don't use. And, you know, probably you can do a lot with just a really cheap visible camera on a drone. You don't need to buy a fancy multispectral system and, and then not know how to use it. And so start small and work your way up from there. Well, you kind of already touched on our last question and our tradition here on the Farm Myths podcast, but we always ask, ask our guests if they have any advice for our listeners. Um, so with that piece of advice you just gave us, do you have anything else uh, that you would recommend to people in this research area or even producers in industry? Yeah, I would say just reach out for help. There's probably someone in your state that's doing very similar work to what I'm doing. And so you can usually contact them directly or get a hold of them through the Cooperative Extension Office. And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to work with you. We're always looking for producers that want to incorporate new technology on their farm. So just ask for help and someone will be there. Thank you to Dr. Salma for taking the time to join us on the FarmBets podcast. It was interesting to learn about the research and potential to utilize UAVs in precision animal production. My favorite part of this episode was probably hearing about how this technology and um, the value that cattle response to UAVs can provide industry and open doors to other livestock production systems. Yeah, that's right, Taylor. This episode was really nice. And my favorite part was on how this technology is improving on animal production using drones and how these animals can advance on well-being, as well as helping farmers on decision-making for management. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Beats podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. 
We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.